With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're gonna have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon. I'm Danny Gomez, uh, Managing Director of Financial Emerging Markets here at FreightWaves. I'm super excited today to have the founding managing partner of New Climate Ventures, Eric Rubenstein, joining us. Um, Eric, do you mind uh, just giving a quick intro of yourself and New Climate Ventures as a company? Absolutely, Danny. Uh, thanks for, for having me. So New Climate Ventures is a early stage venture company focused on carbon reduction and avoidance. So we're investing in early stage companies, young companies that are reducing carbon, pulling it out of the atmosphere and using it in some form or fashion or avoiding carbon emissions uh, by creating alternatives that for plastics or for uh, materials of other sorts or for other energy uses that, that we use today, um, food as well, any of these sorts of things that are energy intensive or are creating a lot of emissions. And uh, we are investing in those companies and helping them accelerate so that they can change the world and reduce emissions in, in our lives. Uh, my background is in commodity trading uh, and investing. So tying those two together when it comes to freight is, is seamless for me, where I've traded commodities like jet fuel and diesel fuel. I've uh, done extensive analysis on those markets uh, and markets beyond those markets uh, that are all commodities markets and then invested in companies that are creating sustainable aviation fuels or that are uh, creating new forms of transportation that are going to reduce emissions by the nature of, of what they are, how they are approaching the new vehicles that they are designing. Yeah, I think when um, you know we've spoken before, your enthusiasm and your in your line of sight really to some um, to some of this stuff is is different than most. Um, you know, at Freightways, we talk a lot about is transportation, right? Um, you have a history in fuels. You have a history. What, what we're seeing, or at least you know what what we're interviewing, what we're hearing from folks on the show, is that yeah, you're right. There is a lot of emphasis on um, EV. And that seems to steal a lot of headlines. Um, there is also some awareness around some alternative fuels, though it feels like the supply isn't there yet. Um, but it is interesting when you start to talk about kind of this, this circularness of, um, of the world and how we can potentially create more supply that way. Um, you know, pausing on transportation just for a second, what is it? You know the space, you know, well enough. What does it look like for you um, as you... As you see a little bit beyond, right, and you can appreciate some of the technologies that are um, a little more nascent or around the corner. How does how does how do we move in the transportation sector from um, you know full diesel to some somewhere in the near term of having transition fuels and EV, and then to kind of a, what does a full state look like for us? 
Yeah. So, and when we're talking about fuel specifically, and you're talking about transitioning away from petroleum-based fuels, you kind of have to start with biofuels as as that transition point. And and that's something I was frustrated with for some time is that biofuels to scale biofuels to the point where our entire fuel transportation fuel system, let's say, is based on biofuels is extremely difficult. It uses a lot of land and resource. And it's it's something where I don't anticipate, never did anticipate that being the solution. So even going back to, say, uh, 15 years ago, when all of a sudden ethanol is being blended into gasoline, and then you fast forward to uh, cooking oil being blended, you know, uh, I guess, processed and blended into diesel fuel. Um, ethanol, yeah, you can put more ethanol in the gasoline, uh, but that's competing with the food system, uh, which is which is problematic. Uh, if you're using cooking oil, let's say, and putting that into jet fuel or diesel fuel, then that has its own limitations due to supply chain. It's hard to collect enough cooking oil that has been used in order in, in any one location in order to fuel an entire transportation system. So what excites me is when I look out and I see carbon dioxide is something that is abundant in the atmosphere that is being spewed off of industrial plants. And you can actually capture it off of industrial plants economically. It's happening today. It's been happening for a number of years. It's not a, a new process. Uh, capturing it directly from the atmosphere and then transforming it and using it uh, is more expensive and is still developing and scaling. But capturing it off of industrial plants is, exists. So if you're taking it off of an industrial plant and you're transforming it into a fuel, let's say a sustainable diesel fuel, then you can have this circular process where you're taking it from a plant, you're putting it, you're creating a fuel that the trucks leaving the plant are using anyway, and then you can use that fuel instead of a traditional petroleum-based diesel fuel. And that's that's a technology that is scaling now and that in five, 10 years time, we should be able to use a lot more of. Uh, but the technology is being proven out and the economics are being proven out right now. And it's still it still costs more than diesel fuel. But the anticipation is, say, five years out that these types of technologies are going to compete with diesel fuel pricing. And then all of a sudden you can have this circular economy in even the transportation market uh, for fuel. So as a transition, just to, to touch on that, if you need enormous batteries that weigh down trucks or planes and that make it difficult to scale EVs in that space, a transition toward using that eventually, using the, the fuel systems that we're used to today, the supply chains we're used to today, you can actually drop right into those supply chains, into those current fuel systems uh, by using these other alternative sustainable fuels. And I anticipate that being kind of a segue or a part of this transition where EVs are not going to take over overnight. They haven't yet. And they, it'll be a long transition period where EVs are replacing, say, the diesel trucks we're using today. But we'll have drop-in replacement fuels that can work in those trucks. So for the lifetime of those trucks that still exist, when someone doesn't want to put the capital outlay for a new expensive truck with a supply chain that isn't yet built out or that isn't, um, isn't certain, they can use a existing supply chain. They can drop in these fuels, and that's that's the circularity that I, that excites me. So, drop in fuels is um, a term that 
everyone may not be super familiar with. Um, do you mind just describing like how significant that that terminology is for for the industry? Um, and you touched on it a bit, but um, and then also I think expand a little bit while, while we're here on the process um, a little deeper of capturing carbon and converting that into a fuel. Okay. Yeah. Sure thing. So. Uh, drop-in fuel would be a fuel that looks exactly like the fuel that you're using, and you can use it uh, easily as as easily as the fuel that you're using today. So, uh, if you have a diesel fuel that you're getting out of a fuel pump today, if you have a sustainable fuel that is, say, being blended into that fuel or that is replacing that fuel, you'd be able to get out of that same fuel pump. And maybe it needs to be labeled differently, just like the labeling of of 10% ethanol or or different types of ethanol blending or biofuels blending. Um, All of that still needs to develop. But that is the drop-in replacement, is the fact that you'd be able to use it in in a truck, just like you use diesel fuel in the truck today. Without without any kind of conversion on the engine, or is there some mechanical changes that need to be made? No, there wouldn't be any mechanical changes because you just have a fuel that looks and acts exactly like the other fuel. It may have a little less sulfur in it, so maybe there's some additives that need to be added for lubrication. But outside of that, uh, yeah, it would, and that and that would happen before it was delivered to the station anyway. So you're talking about a fuel that is diesel fuel. It just comes from something other than petroleum. And when I think about, you know, the, the landscape of trying to decarbonize freight. I think some of the challenges, it's, it's very fragmented. Um, the idea of, you know, large systemic changes um, with new technologies or, or, or new ways of operating, um, having something like drop a sustainable drop in fuel sounds super scalable, right? If we can get the fuel. So let's switch over to that second part of the question of diving a little bit more about the process and this, like the, the available supply, if we can get the price right on the on the production. Yeah. So yeah. So you're talking about the the carbon capture. If we're if we're tackling that one question. So the carbon capture, if you're taking it from the air or from, excuse me, the stack, let's say of a uh, industrial plant. Uh, typically you're using some sort of catalyst. Uh, so you're using something that's biological in nature or chemical in nature that is absorbing that carbon. Uh, and then because it can absorb that carbon, it, it can turn it into a solid or a liquid. And that's that's a, a way to uh, move that, that carbon in a form that is transportable because it's a gas to begin with. Um, and then you can transform it from there into other products. So I'm using diesel fuel as an example. Uh, but you could transform into many different products. So there are people taking carbon dioxide today and turning it into cement. They're turning it into um, vodka, even. So you're talking about something where you can you can there's a whole range of products that you can create with diesel fuel being one of them. Now the process for creating that diesel fuel is obviously different than the process for creating, say, an ethanol or the process for creating a cement, but uh, it's, it's a similar concept where you're using science, uh, whether that's chemicals or, or some sort of biology in order to transform the molecules. Uh, and then you're transforming it again uh, further downstream to create a fuel. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. 
Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. Yeah, and we, you know, we spoke, I think one of the things that was super inspiring me is that, like I said, your mind has gone beyond where I've been thinking where it's very focused on emissions from tailpipes as the the main source within our industry. Um, but you were talking about the different plastics that are being used throughout the vehicles. What do you, you touched on it a little bit, like expand what goes beyond, like all the different ways that we can start to think about um, how we can reduce the footprint of our industry and really just expanding beyond um, really transportation. Absolutely. And that's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's very important to recognize that fuel, again, the energy transition, the fuel side of our economy is only one component. So uh, I'll, I'll just throw a couple numbers out there because I think this is this is mind blowing. Passenger transportation represents seven percent of global emissions. Okay, so that's not the the trucking that we're doing. Trucking's another seven percent or so, but the seven percent being passenger vehicles and this big emphasis on EVs. Uh, meanwhile, our food system not just the food system, but the protein. So if you if you think of growing food and then you think of just the protein portion, that's 14% of our emissions. So the food system, somewhere between 20 and 35% of emissions. Transportation fuels are somewhere in the 7% for, say, passenger vehicles and other 7 8% or something of that sort for, for um, transportation of goods. So you're talking about something where uh, you need to be paying attention to other areas as well. Plastics, uh, or fashion, I'll just say the fashion industry is 10% of global emissions. So when we're talking about different materials for, say, a car interior, you can actually use plant-based materials to make leather or to make a, a plastic-like material that can replace a dashboard. So all of a sudden, or you can use CO2 to do the same thing. So when you're talking about um, the things we make our cars and trucks out of, in addition to the fuels that we're fueling those vehicles with, uh, there's a lot of room to decarbonize the environment uh, and just a built environment. Uh, there are steel replacements even today that it's plant-based and it's dense and it can replace steel in certain applications. Uh, that's important uh, because you can decarbonize the environment. If you think about the production of steel using a lot of heat when you're making steel, if you can get away from using all that heat, then you're decarbonizing just by the nature of not having to heat something up to that same degree. So a plant-based leather uh, used as an interior, uh, that's something that is economic, that is scaling today. There are a number of companies doing it. Uh, alternative plastics, where you're using, whether it's plant-based or a recycled plastic, where you're chemically breaking down existing plastics, you can actually take the shirt that you and I are wearing today. You can put it into kind of a uh, uh, a liquid that I'll call it melts it down and then breaks it apart into its uh, molecular kind of components. And then you can build that back up into a new plastic. So it can look exactly like the plastic that's in our shirt uh, when it comes out. Uh, but it's coming from a recycled product, which is the shirt that we're wearing to begin with. So couple questions. Um, 
one on we you know we've talked to people about carbon capture projects and i think there is some debate about you know putting that carbon back into for example oil oil wells and storing it underground you're talking about an economy that would take that carbon and reuse it um, in our you know in the ecosystem that we need to, to live off of um, where are where are does everyone realize the the um, the availability of this at this point is it is there enough demand for it I mean some of it does sound like science fiction so it'd be helpful one to understand like how that how the carbon um, economy is working so to speak um, from as an input to other goods and then two, if you have, I know that you guys are working with companies and that you're investing in companies, highlighting some of those um, in your portfolio that take this out of, you know, the Jetson world into um, current day, actual real life uh, use cases or uses. Yeah, it's still a, a nascent industry, I'll call it. Uh, it's going to take decades to evolve to a point where it's it's a large industry where, uh, we're looking at it as a proper replacement for everything that we're talking about. So it is something, I guess, uh, I can liken it to uh, you have a company like Tesla, where it's been around for over a decade, but only in the last number of years, say, you know, three to five years, has it really taken off uh, from uh, a stock valuation, um, uh, you know, in the stock market and where people are talking about it as, hey, we're going to change our entire vehicle system over to EVs, right? They, we weren't talking about that when Tesla first started producing. Um, similarly, if you look at the food system and you think about Beyond and Impossible Foods, they only really started getting into retail environments like McDonald's and Burger King, for instance, in like the early 2020 like time period. So we're only a couple years in to, to them being in market where we could even buy it as a consumer. Meanwhile, those companies have been developing uh, their technologies for, call it, seven-ish years. So uh, these industries are young. This industry also is young. We're turning carbon into usable goods. But if you look out, say, five years from now, uh, that's when I think you'll start seeing all of this uh, more I guess, visibly as a consumer, uh, where you can see some of it today would be, uh, we invested recently in a company called Air Company. And I mentioned vodka. So one of the one of the commodities that they are producing, one of the products they are making is a vodka, air vodka. So they're turning CO2 into vodka. So their, their pathway is CO2 to ethanol. But they did that as a proof case for uh, scaling. So if you can sell something that's expensive to begin with, when you think about it, vodka, you're selling at something over $300 a gallon when you look at the ethanol component of it. Whereas if you were making ethanol that goes into gasoline, you're selling that at $1.50 to $2 a gallon typically. So if you want to prove your technology, you prove it on something expensive and then you kind of scale your production and you bring down your costs to produce and you, you move on from there. But if you're a consumer like we are, you can buy air vodka today. You can go online and you can do that. They made a perfume. So similarly, you can buy a perfume. Uh, a hand sanitizer during COVID. I have one right here. So that's another thing that, they, that they're making. Uh, so uh, there it is. Um, so you're talking about being able to make products that we're using, consumer goods, as a pathway to eventually making fuel. So they've also made 
a rocket fuel for NASA. So as we're looking forward, they have a, a roadmap for making jet fuel. And if you can make jet fuel, you can also make diesel fuel. Another company we've invested in called Dimensional Energy is using a different pathway, but they are also turning CO2 into fuels, sustainable fuels, uh, that are either going to be making sustainable aviation fuel or sustainable diesel fuel, depending on the location and who the customer is. Um, another company that we invested in or about to invest in is uh, a carbon capture company that created a new technology that no one else has done before that can capture carbon from these industrial applications. So through the stacks of, of industrial plants, much cheaper than anything else out there right now. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing their progress. That'll take a couple years still for them to create that, that pilot um, and then scale from there. But you are talking about a young industry that that is evolving in terms of you were talking about storing and capturing. Um, the, the industry, if you look out 10 years, should look something like, say, any commodity industry today that is that has the ability to store and capture. So crude oil, gasoline, diesel fuel, you produce those, you store them in tanks, uh, you move them somewhere, you store them in tanks, you move them somewhere else and eventually use them. Uh, it'll be the same thing with CO2, I think, where you have big pipelines that some companies are are now investing in to transport the CO2 that'll be online in the next couple of years. You have storage sites that are being developed to store the fuel. Uh, some of that's going to be injected in the ground and mineralized and will never come out. Other will go into the ground and then be able to be taken back out and then used in this form. So, it, like other commodities we know today, having the ability to transport and store is important. So having that infrastructure yeah. in place is important as well. That's I, I like that just is a little bit mind blowing um, to think about all the possibilities as we transform. I mean, oddly, is it a world? I mean, we're we're so much marching towards you know zero emissions in the transportation. Is there is there a possibility where emissions become an asset as an um, exhaust uh, to the business of running transportation? Uh, like where you need the CO2 gets really, really expensive and and it's a cost. Uh, yes, uh, in theory. I mean, it's a commodity. So if you're capturing too much of it, if we, if we are, as a society, super successful in the long term, so you're talking 30 plus years at this point, I would think, not in the next number of years, but if we're super successful at decarbonizing our society, then in theory, yes, you could have a, a, a point in the future where CO2 gets expensive because there isn't enough of it. I mean, we're not going to have that issue in the near term, given that we, we need this all of the above approach in order to decarbonize society to focus on any one method. You know, Just focusing on EVs is not going to do it. You're still going to have the emissions associated with the production of the minerals that go into the batteries. You're going to run out of minerals eventually, or the minerals just get so expensive that all of a sudden the cars like have to go up in price and people uh, are less inclined to purchase the vehicles. So similarly, you're going to have an issue if you're using one method to decarbonize like EVs. You're going to have an issue in theory eventually with carbon, but it's, it's not something any of us needs to be concerned about today. What we need to be concerned about today is bringing down the cost of capturing the carbon, uh, creating an industry around it, similar to how we need to create like this 
decarbonized electricity sector where we're you know using renewable sources to produce our electricity uh, and scale that to a point where you know that is able to fuel the vehicles efficiently where the infrastructure is in place to be able to charge the vehicles efficiently um, and it also comes with just creating new vehicles that are more and more efficient over time so I mean ideally we're creating new trucks and airplanes, let's say, that are more efficient using current fuel systems. So you're using a jet fuel drivetrain or a diesel fuel drivetrain. And then uh, you're also incorporating these less carbon intensive fuels um, into the tanks of these vehicles. And then you can decarbonize that way. You're still going to have to move further from that if you want it to be properly circular in the, in the future. If you actually want to take more carbon out of the air, uh, than you're using because all of these uh, pathways are circular. But if the vehicles are are getting more efficient, then the nature of that is uh, if it can outpace the growth and demand for goods, and uh, you can actually get to a point where yeah, we're producing less carbon than than we're consuming, and that that hopefully, and that's where we need to be, right? Where we're where we're, sure. we've decarbonized society. So let's hope that we get to that point where carbon is really expensive because we've done a great job at decarbonizing. But um, I think we need to focus on uh, on the decarbonization first and uh, deal with that as an aftermath later if it, if it ever comes.